The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production company in Memphis, Tennessee. TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Scott. And we're the Reedies. That's right. Reedy spelled ready. It's a pun. One I've heard my entire life. So much so that we've decided to make it a thing. Ready Ready or or not. On this podcast, we'll share our journey to becoming adoptive parents while also running a business together. It may not be easy, but you can bet we're ready or not. Hello, and welcome to Ready or Not, a podcast about growing your family and your business. This week, it's just me, no Scott. That's because I'm giving Scott the week off after quite a thrilling weekend. Thrilling, yes, definitely. Scott went to the ER on Friday after he went to a walk-in clinic for a sore throat and swollen tonsils. Turns out he has an abscess on his tonsil and he needed a CT scan. Thankfully, they didn't have to uh, do any surgery that day and they gave him steroids and antibiotics and he's feeling great. But I told him I'd give him the week off from talking so that he could rest. And we'll bring him on next week to talk about all of the adventures. But in true Lauren and Scott fashion, Scott was in the ER on Friday And we were at a music festival with Max on Sunday. So he bounced back fast and we are grateful for steroids and antibiotics. So this week you're going to hear a couple of speeches from Lauren's past two years ago and a year ago this month. Um, One, the first one you're going to hear is called Why I Quit TV News. It's a piece that I put together for a speaking series in Memphis back in 2017, in October of 2017. And it's a five-minute speaker series where your slides auto-advance. So you're obviously not going to see the slides, but you will hear what I said about them. It explains my whole story, um, sort of what led me to leave my dream job. And I really like it because it does it in five short minutes. Um, At the end, though, I want you to listen to the end line, and I'll tell you more about that on the other side of this. My name is Lauren Reedy, formerly known as Lauren Squires, and sometimes known as Lauren Squires Reedy. It's complicated. Just like my name has evolved over the years, so has my identity. And so tonight I'm going to be telling you a little bit about how a combination of sensationalism and a moment in juvenile court hall changed my path. I should tell you the title of my talk is a bit like the clickbait that I used to write. I've never liked being put in a box, which is extremely ironic, considering I was literally in a box in people's homes for over a decade. My mom took those photos, by the way. This is a photo of me in August of 2003. I was a senior in high school working at a TV station as a camera operator with a dream to be a broadcast news television sports reporter. I pursued that dream, and over the next decade, I worked in Dubuque, Iowa, Omaha, and eventually Memphis, First six months here, I went to the White House, I saw the Obamas, Justin Timberlake, the NCAA tournaments, and a couple of snow flurries here and there. It was all really awesome until it wasn't. And that's because I started to notice a common theme. I was constantly chasing police tape, breaking news, crime, negative things, and never really following up on the story or offering any sort of solution. Sure, every once in a while I'd get a good story. My friends even knew me as the positive news girl, but I was becoming a bitter, cynical person and then the Kroger mob attacks happened. If you all remember that, a group of teens randomly attacked a Kroger employee and it was all captured on vertical video. (laughs) 
the video went viral and it was shared across the country, um, millions of views, and it put Memphis on the map for yet another negative story about young black teens and it was perpetuating fear and racism in our city. The story doesn't end happily, but there's a part of this story you probably didn't hear about, and it happened in a juvenile court hall where cameras aren't allowed. Go figure. I covered the story, and a year after this incident happened, the final hearing in juvenile court took place. The main suspect went and testified that he did all of this to impress a girl. And then the victim got up there and said he was traumatized, and he still has nightmares about what happened to him that night. So afterwards, as you can imagine, me, sort of a bitter person, getting really upset on behalf of the family, walked out into the hallway and saw this. This is an illegal photo that I took in the hallway of the two suspects' mothers approaching the victim and his father. And the mother said, I'm so sorry for what my son did to your son, and I wish that he was here to apologize in person. And, you know, I was ready for a fight because that's what I'm used to covering, and instead... The son looked at the mothers and said, tell them I forgive them. Now let that sink in for a second because it took me a long time to process what that meant, but I knew I had a newfound reason to tell this story. I left juvenile court and I, had, I wanted to tell the whole city because I wanted people to feel that moment of forgiveness and maybe move on from what happened. It was only a line in my final story that night, preceded by a tabloid-like testimony about how he did it to impress a girl. And that story didn't get nearly the clicks or views or likes and shares that the original vertical video got more than a year before. You see, what I didn't realize is that was the moment that I began to leave television news. Over the course of the next 18 months and a much longer conversation, I started to realize that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should do it. And just because the world tells you to hustle and set your pursue your goals doesn't mean you have to. So on March 1st, 2016, 6 p.m., my last final newscast, ironically, cut off due to technical difficulty. The very next day, I made a list of stories I could never tell thanks to the suggestion of a friend, and that became Contagious Giving. Now I get to tell the story of Baby Winnie in the Memphis Zoo. You all know who that is, right? And I get to capture moments like this, a patient surprising a doctor at Regional One, thanking him for saving his life. And I still get to tell national stories, like this one. This is a volunteer barber at Brewster Elementary who spends his time there. We did this story on our Facebook page, and a month later, it was featured on the Today Show, putting Memphis on the map for positive news. And man, was that fulfilling. Yes, exactly. Now, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of good, integrity-filled journalists still out there fighting the good fight. But what I've learned over the course of the last five years is that I'm not defined by my work. I'm defined by my heart. And sometimes your heart calls you in a new direction, and when you pursue that new direction, that's really where you find your true dreams. Thank you, and good night. So that last line there about new dreams being realized, finding your true dreams, what was so crazy and ironic about that moment and me saying that is that I wrote that and the very day that I gave this talk was the day that Scott and I said yes to adoption. It was the day that we had scheduled a date to meet our first failed adoption to meet that family. So while I was up on stage talking about my dream and leaving my dream job, I was also kind of talking about adoption and our next steps, our next steps in the journey. I just couldn't tell anyone. So it was neat and also a little eerie to hear that again and go, whoa, 
<laughs> look what's happened since then. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. It certainly gives you insight into what uh, led me to take this leap into running my own business with Scott and um, how much that's grown, as you've heard in previous podcasts. And the second speech I'm going to share with you is one that I gave to AFP Memphis. That's the fundraising professionals organization here. And they asked me to come in and talk about storytelling. Now, keep in mind, Max was about four or five months old, and my life had totally changed from the speech that I gave in 2017 about why I quit TV news. So the talk is all about sharing your story, even when it's not perfect. Um, from a nonprofit's perspective, I think that's really important when it comes to budget and time and getting the word out about what you're doing. It's not always going to be perfect, and neither is our life story in general. So take a listen. Also recognize that there are some things that I'm referring to that are on screen that maybe you don't see because you're listening to the podcast. Um, but enjoy the overall message. I think it applies to even to anyone, no matter what profession they're working in outside of nonprofits. And I hope that there's pieces of it that actually can apply to you personally as well. So believe it or not, I didn't just show you that video to show you how cute my son is, or I mean, he's adorable. He looks like a little monkey. Um, but I shared that because that is um, a piece of my story that a lot of people don't really know yet. It's very new. And I say that because I want to flip the room upside down and make you think differently about fundraising and the way you tell that story. All of your organizations do probably a plethora of things. You probably do a lot. And telling the story of what you do in one video is very hard. But showing a little segment of a story gets people connected to your cause. So chances are you started out, thank you uh, for the wonderful introduction telling all those things about me. You started out knowing a little bit about me, but now hopefully we have some kind of connection. Whether you're a parent or not, um, you probably have questions. You probably want to know more about how the heck that happened and what that was and how it came to be. And so what that video has done is, is has begun perhaps future conversations and given you a starting point as to how we can talk about Lauren and Scott and Max. Um, and if you think about that with your organizations, it's the same idea of giving people, especially your donors or your volunteers, a little tidbit of connection with a stranger so that they then want to know more and get more engaged. So yes, of course, I used my, my son's story to do that. Um, and I put this picture up because um, he's three weeks old in this picture. And that's him watching the video. Um, <laughs> and I, I did the presentation to him and my husband last night, and we watched the videos for time's sake. And Max watched the whole video, <laughs> like eyes open, aware. Um, and you know, so I, I put that up there to tell you that all humans have connections, no matter the age, no matter the race, no matter the background, um, no matter you know the intellect. We feel something, and I, I really do believe that even at three weeks old, Max felt something watching that. And I'm so glad that my husband captured that. I hadn't showered in days. I had no idea what time of, time of day it was. But it's such a cute moment. So you're probably thinking, so what? OK, Lauren showed us this cute video of her son. And now she's talking all about herself. Well, today I hope, at least in the next couple of minutes, to give you some new perspective on ways to tell stories, obviously through video, but to think differently about your personal work, uh, perhaps your personal story, and your organization's work and the stories that you should be telling through that. And I'm going to give you two video examples, and then I'm going to give you some takeaways. In fact, if anybody's leaving early, please um, interrupt me and come up. I've got 
I've got this cool takeaway handout. Um, so that you can leave either thinking about ways to better tell your story at your organization or start doing it yourself or give us a call, but that's not what I'm here for. I don't, that, that's seriously not what it's about. It's about to empowering everyone here to be thinking about moments in their organization. So um, first I'm gonna start with the most common thing I get asked and that is how do you tell a story? <laughs> and um, that's, that's the bread and butter. I'm not gonna reveal that, no, I'm just kidding. Um, any guesses on what it starts and ends with? Anybody? People. people, okay, so obviously a story is about people, a person, a specific person, an organization, the people in that organization. And so you start and you end with the person, and in the middle you put the facts and the stats and the graphics, and then you put lots and lots and lots of B-roll. And as you heard Alexis mention, horizontal B-roll, not vertical. <laughs> Whatever your bread and butter is, it goes in the middle of the story, and then it ends again with the person. Now, there are many reasons and excuses and ways to break that story format. Perhaps you need to get the attention of somebody on social media, or you want to grab the attention of an audience that's been drinking at your gala, <laughs> or you put something different at the beginning of that story to get their attention. But this format has been tried and true. It's something that we use. It's where we start at Forever Ready. And if you think about it from the perspective of people and not raising dollars or getting more um, you know, awareness, and you start with that, that's, that's how this begins. At least that's how it works for us. Um, I talked about at the very beginning after you watched that video about the connection we now feel, even if we were strangers. Um, some of you know me, but some of you don't. What this all comes down to is connecting with other people. And oftentimes we're connecting with perfect strangers who live a very different life than us and who've experienced very different things than we have in our lives. Um, this freeze frame shot here uh, is a really great story. These are two very unlikely characters who've connected in a real and authentic way through art. Um, the kid on, on the left side here is a graduate of GIF, uh, a program that helps at-risk youth. And the woman on the right side here is an art therapist. And they went through a six-week program at Brooks Museum um, where the beginning, he was not opening up. Obviously, the things he'd been through in his life were hard to unpack. And by the end, we got the blessing and the amazing opportunity to capture the moment of him walking through the art display at Brooks and seeing his artwork on the wall and his art therapist that had now become really a friend asking him questions and him opening up about his life, his perspective. And one of the things that stuck out to me right before this hug that we captured was he said, I may not walk across any stage in my life. I've never seen my name in lights but it's really amazing to see my work on this wall and feel like somebody cares about my story. So it's about connection. It's about connecting with people, even if they're strangers, even in unlikely situations. It's about capturing moments, and that's what we do at Forever Ready. And I'm gonna show you a moment um, that were captured by our cameras, and then I'll tell you the backstory of this. This is a fundraising video. Every day is a gift. From now on, it's, it's just wonderful. I wake up and just happy from the head to toes. <laughs> I'm just glad to be here. Also breaking tonight, here in the Mid-South, police are looking for a suspect who shot and then carjacked a pizza delivery man. 24-year-old Corey Levy was shot and robbed following a pizza delivery. I got a call while I was driving to the hospital from uh, someone in the police department. And she said that, you know, my son been shot and they didn't think he was going to make it. I just prayed to God. Um, I asked God to bring him through and to make him whole. The bullet entered the right side and came out of the left side. 
So it tore through pretty much everything in my midsection. Dr. Kroos is a wonderful doctor. Without his knowledge and expertise, I wouldn't be here before you. It's difficult, but what keeps people coming back are the patients who get better. Hey, tell me, do you remember that patient? Oh, I remember him well, yes. What was that? I mean, he was shot just doing his regular job, and uh, he was pretty sick when he came here, but he got better and left the hospital. Corey Levy. How you doing, man? All right. This is pretty amazing. And he looks great, doesn't he? He never gave up on me, even when I felt like giving up on myself. Every time he saw me, he just helped me push through. You know, you asked earlier, what, what is it that makes you want to come back and work every day? It's just seeing him walk through the door. That's what it is. So, it's all about capturing moments, right? Uh, a little bit of backstory about that piece that, that is, um, it's anxiety inducing for me to watch because it was like, oh my gosh, we were relying on so much. So we carefully planned out, you know, you have to when you're dealing with um, HIPAA and patients. And so we had to get patient permission. Um, then we had to coordinate interviews with doctors who are busy doing their job. Um, and the way that that worked, that interview worked with Corey Levy is that we interviewed Corey and his family in the, the um, trauma room that was not currently being used. So next door there was a, you know, they were ready to take patients knowing all the while that if two people came in and needed to be um, tended to, we needed to pack up and roll out as fast as possible. So we interviewed the family, then we like filed them out of the room very quickly and got Dr. Croach in there. And you can see he's a little distracted because while we were there, someone came and needed to be seen and there was a bunch of noises and things happening in the other room. So when Corey walked in, he looked a little annoyed. I'm sure you might've noticed that because he was like, we're doing an interview in here, what? You know? And um, we had to, what I like to call dirty, it was quick and dirty. It was like, capture it, follow it, don't interrupt it, let the moment happen. And you saw the moment that unfolded once it clicked that this was Corey Levy and that he was coming in to say thank you. And we didn't ask any questions, we let the moment happen. It was really hard to not be like, so Corey, how do you feel? Let's interrupt this moment. Instead, we just let it unfold and you saw that it really, it came to be. They all started talking about the impact of Regional One. And so this video was played at their annual gala in 2016. Um, it got an applause when it was finished because people felt so moved. And my favorite thing about it is that it took everybody in that room. They're probably, they may have been touched by the trauma center, but perhaps not. They're there to support the good work. And what we did is we took them into that ER, into the trauma center and showed them a positive outcome that they didn't see on the news. And now those doctors are getting recognized for the work they're doing. That's my favorite part of that video and that story is that we took people to an unlikely place. My second favorite part of that, un of that unlikely moment is that it raised a record number for the gala that year. They raised $140,000 in in-room asks that night. So people were connected and they were moved even if they hadn't directly been touched by that story or by that physical um, contact with the trauma center. So it's about making that connection, capturing that moment. You don't always get that lucky. I still am like, oh, if we could have a Corey Levy moment, man. I mean, he's got his own like name title thing in the business because it's, it's a moment that was incredible. Um, but that is what it's about, is letting things unfold. Don't, trying to, don't try too hard to, to curate or force a moment. 
let it unfold. And if it doesn't work out, we can still edit it and make it look really great. But when you let things happen, people who are um, impacted by your organizations will do it for you. Have you noticed how small businesses and nonprofits are posting videos on social media these days? Every day, thousands of them are sharing video content. But did you know you don't have to spend a fortune to invest in video for your brand? Forever Ready Productions is here to help you out. We make your work stand out while telling your story, but most importantly, getting it done in time to have an impact. Hi, I'm Marvin Stockwell, host of Champions of the Lost Causes podcast, where we explore why people take up causes others think are impossible and what moves those causes forward. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or right here on the OAMnetwork.com. If you take nothing away from today, I hope you take this, so feel free to write it down. And that is that your ability to move people doesn't depend on how perfect you deliver your message. That video and that story is a case in that scenario. And to me that, um, you know, I always sort of joke that done is better than perfect. And as fundraisers, how many of you have spent weeks on a flyer or months on your mailer? Or let's be honest, that gala video had like 15 versions because we all put our head in, in, you know, fixing little things. And that's important in the work that you do. But at some point, you've got to get your story out, right? At some point, you've got to share the impact you're making. And you can perfect and perfect and perfect. But until you start sharing it, that's, where, that's, that's when the impact happens. Um, and so that's an example of that. And it's one of the things that I love about my staff is that they sometimes get so into the story that's unfolding. Uh, that's why we've grown so much, is we now go out in teams of two, because we can really hone in on the moment that's happening while the person behind the camera can capture it. So now what? I've told you a couple of stories. I showed you a cute video of my son. Um, you might be feeling some kind of way. Perhaps you're feeling really in your feelings right now. That's exactly what I had hoped. But I want you to think about your organization for a second, because you all do different work, but you're here because you're fundraisers um, or consultants or you work with nonprofits. So I want you to think about whose story should you be telling in your organization? Um, who is somebody that you may have missed because you focused on uh, you know, fundraising goals or volunteer numbers or just the nitty-gritty of what we get caught up in sometimes because of email and the to-do list and all that. Whose story should you be telling? Also, who in your organization are the impact makers or the action takers, um, the folks who are on the ground doing amazing things that aren't the executive director? Executive directors are amazing. That is not to, to they do way more than so many of us and, and they handle, they put out all the fires. <laughs> but the people on the ground are the ones who are doing some really incredible things and can, can untap and open up stories that we perhaps don't even know because we're busy helping raise the funds to make that possible. And then the final one that I didn't put on here is, um, who do your donors need to hear from? So that, that's a different answer depending on your organization, particularly when you're talking about um, and you're walking that fine line of exploiting your clients or feeling like you know, you're using them. But who do your donors need to hear from and why do they need to hear from them? So that's a, those are some questions to be sort of noodling on. Another thing is once you identify those questions, um, I think it's really important to think about that connection because that's when the connection begins. Once you figure out who you need to, t you need to tell the story of, 
who's on the ground and who your donors need to hear from. Then you start making the connection of what's happening, the emotions start flowing, but it's not an ask of, we want to feature you in our gala video, will you do it? Or, uh, hey, want to help us with fundraising? What it turns into is this bottom question, and I think this is the most important approach to how you tell the stories in your organization, no matter what the platform, and that is, you have a story that has value, and people should know about it. That last part, people should know about it. It's very vulnerable. It's why I was so nervous and I didn't really talk to anybody before because I was like very, very, very nervous about sharing a very vulnerable piece of my life um, and, a, and a very vulnerable time in my life. But when uh, you approach that in this way and say that people should know about it, if you're willing to share it, they should know about it. And so that, that should be the way that we think about empowering our clients or our um, fellow coworkers to talk about the work that they're doing. People should know about it. So a couple takeaways here. Um, I want you to think about whenever you approach a video project, any video project of any kind, um, who's your audience? It's the first question we ask in any sort of preliminary meeting. Who's your audience and how long do they have? I'm going to tell you they only have about 90 seconds. <laughs> Regardless of how much you have them, if they're there for a gala or they're there for an event, some of the videos I showed you were three minutes. And I was like standing here like, oh, this is feeling long. I'm really uncomfortable. Maybe you didn't because it's the first time you saw it, but 90 seconds is a sweet spot. One minute is also a great, one minute to 90 seconds. Getting beyond that, um, you really need some really raw emotional moments. But even then, people are like, shiny thing, oh, there's, oh, the light. They just, they don't um, pay attention as long as they used to. And the pendulum swings, so maybe in like five years, we'll be talking about making five minute videos again. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> but right now it's about 90 seconds. Then what do you want the takeaway to be? Um, this is a question I always ask. What's the call to action at the end? Sometimes there isn't a call to action. There was no call to action in my story about Max, um, except that now you're curious and you have a dozen other questions. So maybe that's the call to action. But what do you want the takeaway to be? Sometimes the answer to that is confused enough to ask more. <laughs> um, or curious, I should say, not confused. Curious enough to ask more. And then the final thing that I always challenge our clients to do, which is the, the part that really stretches everyone's brain, is how can this story go beyond the audience that we're currently trying to reach? So if we're making a gala video, how can we repurpose that video? How can we make it in a way that it doesn't just live that night? It doesn't just make that one in-room ask and then suddenly have no relevance? How can we repurpose it for social media, for Instagram, for all the other things that kids are consuming these days? Um, and and I, I think that when you make a video, Unless you only want it for that event, you should avoid dates and times, unless you're backdating, like you heard, you know, June 2013 and now. Um, because this, that video, all the videos I showed you have um, longer shelf life because we didn't give a whole lot of dates. As Alexis said, over the last three years, we've done more than 300 projects, um, and we work with more than 80 nonprofits, which I did not believe that until I went and looked yesterday. Julie told me, and I said, what? And I looked and I was like, wow, that is true. We, we have worked with that many folks. And many of them have used those videos beyond the event um, and have learned from us in a way that now they can produce some of their content. Now, they might still hire us for that gala video or for that year-end recap, but they're able to do some things in between to sort of stretch their story. Well, that does it for this edition of Ready or Not. I hope you enjoyed those throwback speeches. I did all of this because Scott is recovering, though feeling much, much better, and I wanted to give him the week off. So we'll bring him back on next week. I'm sure you'll love to hear from him. We'll ask him all about his journey to the emergency room and how I almost made him take an Uber. 
And uh, we'll also pick back up with more topics next week about growing your family and your business. Thanks so much for listening this week, and we'll see you next time here on Ready or Not. This podcast was recorded in our studio in Midtown Memphis, Tennessee, edited by me, Lauren Reedy, graphic designed by Brody Kuhar, and hosted by the OAM Network. The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production company in Memphis, Tennessee. TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast.